Welcome to another episode of From the Sands, The Cool Pick Show. Before we get things rolling, we have a very exciting announcement to make. Starting January, we are officially rebranding, and From the Stands, The Cool Pick Show will be now known as the Players Experience Podcast. We're excited to do this relaunch in January and have you guys be able to continue the adventures of learning about players' experiences, their journeys through their sports, and learning more about their stories. Um, and so all of the rebranding will be done in January. So you will be able to see everything as it unfolds. We will have updates on our Instagram channel as well as all the updates on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple podcasts happen automatically. So you don't need to do anything if you're already following. If you haven't followed yet, make sure you do. Make sure you hit a like on the channel. If you like the videos, add a comment or two. We'd love to see it. And again, look for the Players Experience podcast launching in January 2021. Now on today's show, we are excited to bring on former NHL player Chris Newberry, who played some time with Philly, the Leafs, and some other NHL teams as well, and has made his way back into the ACH um, locally. And we're going to be talking with Chris about his experience through hockey, what it was like to play in the NHL and play pro for 14 years and then head to Germany and come back, as well as all the stories along the way. Before we bring Chris on, of course, we'd like to give a shout out to our design team, Josh Solti, uh, photography and Mad Creative with Matthew DeCastro for all the logos and the video production that you see for each and every episode. As well, as a reminder, Christmas is coming up. It's only a few weeks away. Make sure you hit up Hush Blankets. Use the promo code that is in the Instagram uh, page, The Cool Picks Show, for your chance to get $35 off of a blanket. Makes a great Christmas gift, as well as the great Canadian, Great North apparel for some apparel as well. Without further ado, let's get Chris on and bring him on and start talking some hockey. All right, Chris, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm going all right. Another day at the rink. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, at least you're able to get out in the rink uh, in times like these. Yeah, actually, uh, I started here at World Elite in Belleville uh, during May. And ever since this pandemic hit, uh, the rink's been actually pretty busy. So I'm pretty fortunate to be on the ice as much as I am. That's great. Now let's talk about your hockey career because I know you got a busy schedule ahead of you. When did you uh, know you wanted to make hockey a career for yourself? Um, I'd probably say around Bantam, I, I realized I had a, maybe a little bit more talent, a little bit more ambition to try and get better than maybe some other guys on my team. So, uh, I mean, from Bantam hockey, I went to play junior, I guess you would call it junior B now at a young age. So, uh, I started taking hockey a lot more serious during that time. And then obviously from junior hockey on, I was able to get drafted to the OHL. So that's where it kind of started. That's really cool. And now talking about your OHL career, you started your career with the then Belleville Bulls, which uh, are now the Hamilton uh, Bulldogs. And then from there you went to the Sarniest Sting, where you put up two seasons of 104 and 92 points respectively, which is very impressive at uh, an early OHL career. At what point in each of those seasons were you trying to push as hard as you can to try and get uh, as many points as you could? Uh, I mean, when I started off in Belleville, I, I kind of knew the team that we had. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be the go-to guy that maybe I was in Bantam and even in junior, I was more of an energy guy. So I kind of took that role on. And, and as the season went on, unfortunately, we ran into a lot of 
injuries during the Memorial Cup in Belleville, so I got to play a little bit more. But ever since I went to Sarnia, the day I got traded, they gave me a lot more maybe opportunity to try and thrive a little more, I guess I'd say. Um, that being playing power play, penalty kill, just playing more ice time, I guess, in general. And, uh, you know, I, I never really looked at myself as a, as a point guy. I always looked at myself as trying to be a hardworking guy. And lucky for me, the points kind of just followed. That's great. And, yeah, as we can see in hockey, it's so hard, especially nowadays, to just score over 100 points. And um, it's really special when you kind of hit that moment and hit that uh, that breaking point in hockey as well. Now, to ring in 2007 uh, and literally to ring it in on January 1st, you played with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you uh, during that game, you scored your first goal with the Leafs against uh, what many – uh, now say is their biggest opponent in the Boston Bruins after what we've seen over the last few years. Um, how was it for you to score your first NHL goal and kind of get that chip off their shoulder, if you will? Um, obviously, it was exciting to do it. Uh, I was born in Brampton, so parents are still there, family and friends. So to do it in Toronto, um, and many people don't know this, but I grew up kind of cheering for both Toronto and Boston. So to do against the Bruins was something special. Um, the fact that I did it while Chara was on the ice and Tim Thomas was in net was just a bonus. Um, but for me scoring the goal, it's kind of a blur, tell you the truth. Everything so, happened so quick and I didn't even know the puck went in the net. So until after the game and the weeks prior to that, um, it didn't really sink in. Now, what's it like playing against Chara and then trying to get a puck past the, past the line uh, against Thomas when you were playing? Well, I, I would tell a lot of people good luck, especially trying to get around Chara. Uh, obviously, everyone knows his size, but uh, back then, he he was obviously a lot more elite skater. So um, even if he did get a step on him, his reach and everything is so, is so big. And then obviously, Tim Thomas was in the prime of his career. I think he won a Vezina. I'm not sure if it was that year or the year following. Um, so yeah, like I said, it was it was pretty cool, uh, pretty cool feeling. And for me to be done my hockey career now and look back on it to say I scored my first one against the Bruins is something special. That's incredible. And we're going to talk a little bit about post-hockey uh, career and what it's like for you now in a short bit. But throughout your NHL career, you played for Toronto, Detroit, the Rangers, and Philly. Out of those four teams, which would you say was your favorite team to play on? Um, they all have their things, I guess. Uh, for me, I mean, if I was to pick one team, it'd probably be Toronto, just because, like I said, that's basically my hometown. So, uh, when I first started playing there, I was still living at home and I was able to buy my first condo. And then from there, my first house there in, in Brampton. So I would just travel into the rink each time I went there. Um, so that was cool. Obviously, playing in a place like New York, I was never really there before. So uh, the first time I went there, I was kind of starstruck. Um, just the amount of people, uh, you know, it would take me no time to get into the city. And then once I was in the city, it felt like it would take me an hour to maybe move a kilometer down the road. So uh, it was just uh, kind of an eye-opening experience for sure. Now, we had a fan question coming in asking, what was it like to play and be around the rink with Henrik Lundqvist uh, while being on the Rangers? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, that guy's a tip-top guy. Um, you know, people see him walk into the rinks for games and how well he's dressed. What people don't know is he dresses like that every single day. He takes care of himself. He wants to look the part. He's very professional. Um, 
the cool thing about playing in New York too was I didn't really have the same experience in Toronto or I didn't see him as much, but uh, the basketball team also shared a practice facility with us. So every day at lunch, we'd eat in the cafeteria. So, you know, I remember a couple of times I was sitting down beside Carmelo Anthony having lunch and just shooting the breeze with him. So it's pretty cool. That's really cool to be able to have those experiences as well. Uh, throughout your career and even after when you still talk with some of the guys that you still connected with and played with um, but talking about actually like basketball and, and having that connection what was it like obviously you, you have your mindset going into a rink um, I've been in a few hockey rinks um, with the Dunlops that locally which we're going to talk about as well um, but just seeing the guys get the mindset going what was it like for you to be able to just yeah shoot like shoot the shit with these guys and and talk about either hockey or basketball or just like other stuff outside of sports with guys and just have these kind of casual conversations just like we're having. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm kind of a shy guy. I mean, once, once I open up and get to know you, I, I kind of let the barrier down a little bit, but right off the beginning, I, I remember how nervous I was to, you know, even Lundquist, Richards, these guys that I played with. And then, you know, you get to meet a guy like Carmelo Anthony, like I mentioned before, and you don't really know anything about him other than what you see on TV. So um, after a couple times meeting him, eating with him like that, it was like we talked to, with each other for five, six years, you know, and it was just every time we see each other, hey, noobs, how you doing? Hey, Carmelo, what's going on? Uh, talk about the games, talk about practices, you know. Uh, those guys are pretty funny, and to see them in person and see how big they actually are, and for him not to be a huge, huge uh, NBA basketball player in terms of height is uh, is pretty cool to look at. Yeah, I got to I got the fortunate pleasure of meeting Carmelo um, a couple of what, three four years ago. He was at uh, Toronto Film Festival with I forget who he was dating at the time, but I think she was in a movie where he was there with some friends or something. Um, yeah. so anyway, I, I'm like at a, one of the movie premieres and he walks up and I was like, Oh, like I'm six, six. And I think he's like a six, eight, six, nine guy. Yeah. But I was like, Oh, this is cool to like see like the height relevance. Cause sometimes depending on the angle on TV, they look so much bigger than they are. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's really, and, and just to see, like, uh, I remember playing in Toronto the one time and Shaq just got traded to the Celtics. So we flew into Boston and we, we went in the hotel, and me being a younger guy or a new guy on the team, you'd always get in the elevator last. So I guess what happened was Sundin was walking up to his floor, and him and Shaq were sharing the same floor. So they, they got in the elevator together. But when Shaq came down, I was waiting to get on. And that guy came out of the elevator, and I swear to God, like he had to walk sideways to get out. That's how broad he was, just in his shoulders, right? And then you see the height of him. It was like playing against the Chesterfield. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> The guy, the guy's uh, another level of human. Honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And until you see them, you don't really know, right? Like you said, you see them on TV, but you don't get the respect of how big they are and how fast they run up and down that court. Oh, exactly. Well, I mean, for Shaq, it's like three steps and you're good, right? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, during your time in the NHL, was there – obviously, you played a ton of games between those four teams, but was there one game that you kind of stood out either because of – like a special goal or a special moment, or was there like a fight that real, that broke out that you were part of that like stood out as your favorite? Um, obviously, no one likes fighting to a degree, but um, mm. I mean, there's always those tilts that like just go uh, like the longest length that they can, and you have a good tilt with someone. Was there like a moment for you that uh, that was your favorite? Uh, 
Yeah, there, there's probably a couple. I mean, the the fights normally they didn't go my way too often, so I don't know if it's a fighting thing. I, m- I remember I fought, fought uh, Travis Moen in Montreal. Pretty sure it was a Saturday night hockey night in Canada game. That was pretty cool. I did okay. Uh, I remember coming back to the bench and someone saying, "Oh, you did pretty good." He's a big farm boy, so uh, I mean that was cool. I scored on Carey Price in Montreal on Saturday night. That was nice. Uh, Obviously, what happened afterwards wasn't I got sent down the next day, <laughs> so I was a little bit confused. I was kind of thinking, what the heck do I got to do to stay in this league? But, I mean, there's little moments like that. Obviously, my first NHL game against Washington was pretty cool. I think my first shift was lined up against Don Brashear, so kind of a little bit nervous. Uh, I remember I was trying to chirp him a little bit because the faceoff was by our bench, so I wanted the guys on our bench to kind of hear that I was engaged and involved in the game. So uh, just little things like that. That's really cool. Um, it's yeah, again, it's all about the experiences that you're able to build throughout your career. Yep. Um, now, after 14 years in North America, you actually headed over to Germany to play in one year uh, with the Fishtown Pen- uh, Penguins of the DL. How was the experience for you to go from like the North American side of the game to the European side uh, and that whole experience? Uh. I would say the hardest part about that whole journey was just the travel and, and being away from family and friends. Um, I got there early. Training camps were a little different. They're probably, I want to say, a month long. So a lot of practices. So a lot of downtime kind of really. Um, but other than that, it took me a little adjustment to get used to the ice because obviously they play on olympic size ice. But once that came, it was uh, not as much hitting over there. So it was kind of easier on the body for me, especially being older when I went over there. So that was a nice part of it. But the hockey was great. The experience was great. I got to travel around. That year we had Olympic break, so we did some traveling to England and stuff when we had time off. So it was fun. That's cool. Now, in 2018, you signed a deal with the Brampton Beast of the ECHL. And just last season, you actually ended up also suiting up for the Hamilton Steelhawks of the ACH. What was the mindset for you to go back from the NHL to DEL and then come back um, to not only play for your hometown in Brampton, but also play for the Steelhawks in Hamilton? Yeah, so uh, I was done playing pretty much like pro hockey, I want to say. I wanted to sign a deal in Brampton just to be around my parents and stuff. They didn't get to see me play too much in the later part of my career, just travel-wise. So I signed a contract then. Things actually didn't work out in Brampton. So I actually never played a game there. Uh, and that year I ended up going to Jacksonville, Florida, and playing playing there. So I ended up playing the year in Florida and then realized my body really couldn't take it anymore. So came back home at the end of the season, uh, kind of thought about things, and then got a call from the Hamilton GM asking me if I wanted to play uh, senior hockey, which – I really didn't know too much about, to tell you the truth. Um, he kind of told me a little bit about the league and players that were on the team and stuff. So I kind of jumped up, uh, jumped at the opportunity and took it. And you know what? It was one of the best years I've ever had, just fun-wise of playing hockey. So I would travel from Belleville to Hamilton area every weekend, play the one or two games, and head back home. And it, I had a blast. I, I was hoping to have a season – this year, but with the COVID protocol, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So that's, that's too bad. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, uh, as you know, we met in, in Hamilton, I've uh, been with the Whippy Dunlop's doing all the mm. work for the last four or five years. 
Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, it, it's funny because so many people call it like it is a senior men's hockey league, but at the same time, it's not really senior men's hockey because the youngest guy is 23. And so yeah. it's really good competitive hockey. And to your point about this year, like I know the Lake Dunlops uh, took a year off uh, just to kind of reevaluate things. I mean, it mm. kind of worked out also too with, with COVID happening. Um, but hopefully there is a season um, for the rest of the league to be able to play. But, I mean, we'll see what happens kind of in the new year and see where case numbers are because um, we're only a few weeks away from Christmas now, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. And so – but at, at the end of the day, you know what? It's a, it's a year off to rest the body and then get back into it to hopefully win an Allen Cup uh, next year. Absolutely. Uh, the good news out of it, like I said before, is I'm able to skate at this facility we have here in Belleville. So I'm on the ice at least two or three times a day for an hour each time. So uh, that's good news. So I, I am still involved in the game, and that's what drives me to keep wanting to play. So until the body actually says, no, you can't do this anymore, and obviously it's not on a pro level. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep grinding out till I can anymore. So what I'm hearing is because you're on the ice pretty much every day, you're, I'm expecting to see, like, top scorer Chris Newberry for next year, right? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually just trying to work on my power skating right now. My skating slowed down a bit, but my hands are gotten better. <laughs> hey, that's good. Just get a little snipes in. So outside of, uh, like, obviously pro hockey, you're like you said that you're still playing on the ice and, and still playing with Hamilton. But what is it like now kind of post-career being in the NHL and what's the mindset for you like for that? Um, it was an adjustment, to tell you the truth. You're used to one thing for so long of getting up every morning, going to the rink, either going to practice, morning skate, blah, blah, blah. But And then you, you finally hang up the skates from pro hockey and you're like, what am I going to do? Um, so that, take, that took some time to get used to. Obviously, with the kids and stuff, I stay a lot busier and getting to see them more, which is great. But as far as the aspect of not knowing what to do during the day, it, some of the days go a lot longer than others, tell you the truth. But now that I'm here and uh, at the rank and working here, I, I come here, get my mind off things, and then it's strictly thinking about hockey for the rest of the day, how to make these kids better. That's great. And we're going to talk about um, kind of some advice or words of wisdom in a, in a minute. But a lot of people find themselves that they have like a, a person in their lives that like um, push them to succeed someone that motivates them in their life. Who is that person for you? Or did you have someone to motivate you throughout your like NHL career and your pro career? Uh, I would just say my parents from all the way up. I know my dad, my dad was a hardworking guy. He wasn't able to make a lot of the practices uh, when I was growing up. Just he would stay at work, make sure there was money and food on the table and I could go to every single tournament possible. And then, so unfortunately my mom was the one driving me all around, but she never complained once. So I would have to thank both of them. Unfortunately, when I look back, I played in some pretty far spots, so they weren't able to see a lot of games. They're not big travelers, so um, that's kind of the shitty part about that. But other than that, I, w- I would say that my grandparents, when they were still alive, came to a lot of games, especially on the weekends, Saturdays, Sundays when I was growing up. So I would say all four of them for sure. That's fantastic. And, yeah, I definitely know that feeling because uh, I played baseball with the Special Olympics. And uh, in 2018, we got to go out to Nova Scotia to compete in the Nationals. And yep. that was the first time – it was the second time our team went to the Nationals. First time was in Vancouver. And my parents, same thing. They're not big travelers, but we have some family out on my dad's side in New Brunswick. So we were able to get them to make a drive out and see have some family come out to, 
to Nova Scotia. So I totally get that feeling. And it's definitely challenging when you, you want your parents there to be able to, to see you and compete and play. Um, but then obviously travel is a bit of a, uh, a fickled area to, per se. Yeah, it is. And especially uh, my parents aren't big flyers, so that makes it even harder. So I don't, I'm not sure if it was my first or second year pro in St. John's, Newfoundland. My dad's from Newfoundland, so they were actually able to come out for – I think they were there for almost two weeks and got to see me play, obviously, and then visit family. So that was nice. Um, but, yeah, not being big flyers kind of puts a damper in things, uh, especially in the places I played. So Yeah. Now, talking about some positive um, sides to kind of end this off, as you said, you're inspiring the next generation of kids on the ice. You're teaching them all the tips and tricks of how to succeed uh, on the ice, off the ice, yep. et cetera. What kind of words of wisdom would you want to pursue to those kids um, and kind of give the advice to on how to succeed in their career? Uh, you know, I, I, I live by two words, and that's work ethic. So I try and teach them work ethic. Um, obviously, the skills will come later on, but if you're not willing to work, uh, you're not willing to try and get better. So that's what I try and preach to the kids. So I, I tend to push them hard. Uh, they tend to listen, which is really nice of them. <laughs> it makes my job a lot easier. Um, and then we go from there. And then we, we throw the different skill sets in there as we go. And since the time I've been here in May, the progression of some of these kids that I see quite often is pretty incredible. That's awesome. Cause it's, it's so like imperative to know that you're going to be playing a huge part in the role, especially if they end up pursuing hockey as a further career and, and get into the pro level. You can say like down the road, Oh, like I, he was my coach and you might get a few shout outs on CBC uh, hockey yeah. in Canada yourself, you know, like it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. I, t I take a little bit of pride in that being, that they are with me a couple times a week or whatnot, whatever they, they tend to come in. So I do take pride in that. Uh, like I said, when we're out there, let's not waste our time. Let's, let's try and get better out here for the hour or the 50 minutes that we have the ice. And, and for the most part, they're pretty good listeners and uh, they work their tails off and they're all, they're all striving to get better. So that's all you can ask for. That's great. Well, Chris, thank you for taking the time to be on the show and to connect and share some of your stories and your experiences. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me. All right. No problem. Talk to you again soon. All right. Bye. All right, everyone. That was Chris Newberry, former pro uh, hockey player in the NHL. Thank you to Chris for joining us. And thank you again for everyone to tuning in to another episode of from the sands. And we look forward to having you tuning to some more episodes. Take care.